In episode 9.2 of Unshuffled, we listen to the second album from The Runaways. It's called The Queens of Noise. Here we go. Welcome listeners, welcome to Unshuffled. This is it, your favourite podcast, bringing back the album, band by band, album by album, track by track. I'm your host Matt, and joining me, as he always does, everyone's favourite co-host, Scotty D. Welcome Scott. At least second favourite. Hi Matt, hi everybody. Equal equal favourites. Yeah. <laughs> like me and Mark Marin or or you. Yeah. Three way tie. <laughs> um yeah, and we're we're on uh, the runaways. That's our band at the moment. Hopefully you uh, were listening, listener, for our pre of course you were, our previous episode. Because we're going back. We're going back to the seventies and we've got an all girl band and it's just all happening. Runaways self title was was a lot of fun. And uh, we're on to their second album tonight, The Queens of Noise. The thing about these 70s albums is they did not, and we'll talk about this in a second, but man, they did not wait long to churn out the next one. Yeah. Like yeah, now like- bands, they get, you know, they get a couple years of touring under their belt before album number two or album number three comes out. Mm. Back in the 70s, they just... Just cranked them out. There goes the next one. Yep. Well, we're going to crank out the podcast then. You know what Let's that means. It. you got to tell us all about the album. Well, I can do that. Yeah, do um, so the last one was, Mar- as I just said, the last one was March of 76. This one's now January of 77. The producer is Kim Fowley, again, and then Earl Menke. And the story is, as I understand it, the band had sort of collectively made a decision to bring in someone else to kind of run the day-to-day production stuff and so they decided on him i guess kim fowley had this whole sort of punk rock ethos of just keep it simple and they the band was kind of wanting to build a little more around the songs uh label again is mercury and then this was recorded at brothers studio in santa monica california i don't know anything about that studio in fact i'm not even sure i would be interested to see if it's still around but yeah so the label and producer for the most part saved the same except we did bring in uh, Earl Mankey. Mr. Mankey. Up. Now, I believe yeah. on on the studio, so Mankey has had, at that time, previously worked as an engineer with the Beach Boys. And I believe that studio may have been used for some Beach Boys recordings. Oh, okay. But, yeah. All right. And also, uh, Mr. Mankey had some association with Concrete Blonde, like a, a sibling that played guitar for Concrete Blonde or something. I think he did some work with them later on, but... Uh, at this point, he he was most famous for his Beach Boys work and brought in a little bit of polish uh, with him. I thought, uh, which we'll discuss. We will as we I get think, into the songs. I think he does some songwriting too. Actually, we'll yeah, we'll, I think we'll, he's we'll got a credit or two on the album. Yeah, we'll discuss the songwriting credits as we go too. And so, with this one, we've got uh, Sherry Curie on vocals again. We've got Joan Jett on vocals and guitar. Uh, Lita Ford again on guitar. We've got Jackie Fox actually playing bass on this album, I believe, as I understand it. 
Yeah. And uh, Sandy West on drums. Yeah. So, so the same, same nominal, same nominal lineup as the previous album, but yeah, um, with the act, with the addition of an the the person named on bass actually playing. And I don't spoiler alert, but I she I definitely think she uh, she came to play. Yeah, Jackie Fox. I'm gonna yeah, yeah I'm definitely agree. gonna throw some throw some love her way as we as we get into this. In the in the band Brownlow, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. Give, reason, give people a reason to hang on and listen till the end. Yeah, of course. Well, three, two, or one is is reason in itself. Album art. Oh, yeah. It's a photo again, um, but this time it's the whole band. Yeah, and you, they're you, holding what what may be interpreted as prison bars or the sort of poles that um, some dancers might sort of climb up and slide down i guess right it's either like depending on how you look at them it's like either really a poorly built prison right yeah that's not a good prison (laughs) (laughs) or or it's a poorly built stripper stage where dancers are banging into each other (laughs) Um, uh, i can't work out why our prisoners keep escaping perhaps they're firemen um (laughs) yes And I guess I, I read, so I read somewhere that the front, so originally when it came out, the front of the album was supposed to be the back and the back was supposed to be the front. But the problem right. was, is all the credits and uh, the song notes got lost in the smoke and they couldn't ah. figure out a consistent font where you could read the liner note or the, the, the songs. And so they had right. to end up flipping it in the end. Um, okay, because yeah, on the back they're they're all in in black. They're sort of cat suits, black cat suits. Very easy to make out the font against that black background. But yeah, the front has this pink smoke rising up, and uh, yeah, I guess the transition of the pink made it difficult for the uh, typesetters. Mm. Mm. And I have one more interesting note that I don't know yeah, if please. this will. But that I'm just wondering, like, about the album in general. And, yeah. and I'm wondering, and I want to say it now before we get into our track by track, because I'm wondering yeah. who's, we're going to come out of this album. Are we on Team Jackie or Team Joan? And here's what I'm saying, is that according, this is according to Wikipedia, by the way. Jackie Fox has gone on the record to say that this album is uh, not very good. So Jackie Fox is on the record, does not care for this album. Even though she lays down some pretty monster bass riffs. Um, Joan Jett, however, is really, really proud of this album and has found it to be more listenable than the last album. So as we right. go through our track by track, I wanna we'll come out of here and see are we are we team Joan or Team Jackie? Okay. Wow. It's interesting given that Jackie didn't actually play on the first album. So this right. is the one she started playing on and this is the one she doesn't like. Right. I don't think she plays on the third one either. I've got the CD. It's really nice. It's a it's a reissue from someone called a UK label called uh, Cherry Red Records. So this was reissued in two thousand and three. The original was on phonogram, so it was mastered to CD by someone. But yeah, great liner notes on this one, and. Um, yeah, so there's sort of a whole story in here about 
about the band and where they were at the time and it sort of talks about a few of the tracks as well. So, you know, I can refer to that here and there as we go through some nice photos and the lyrics are there as well. Not that you need them, but nice to have them. And you get all the original album artwork too. So nice. Well done. Cherry Red Records. And, Cherry uh, Red nice Records. Re-release. Mm. Cherry Red Records is the label of Lawnmower Death. Remember them? Ah, oh, of course. Yeah, they did a yeah. great cover of Kids in America. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I do and remember then, Lawnmower Death. D-E-T-H. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I remember that yeah, stupid that song, Weebles Wobble, But They Don't Fall Down. I don't know that one. All I know, all I knew was their their cover of uh, the kids. Where the kids in America. That was good. Let's link to that in the show notes. All right. There you go. And then, ja, and then Ja Wobble as well. All right. We'll link to both. Okay. That gives you a listener, a, a reason listener to check out our website where all our show notes go when I get around to it. <laughs> Which will be soon. Sure. Uh, by the time you listen to it, hopefully the show notes will be up and you can go and check out some Lawnmower Death by clicking on our on the link there that I'll put there for you. Great stuff. Or you can just Google it yourself if you really want to. <laughs> uh, we've got a track by track to do now, though, don't we? We sure do. Yeah, and you can take it away. Yeah, Queens of Noise, go. Title track. Queens, Queens of Noise. Okay, so this one was... Um... I guess somewhat controversial, and this song actually, in my in my research, might be the beginning of the end for for Sherry Curie. It was how was it controversial? By, well, I can I'd get there. Um, it was written by Billy <laughs> Billy Bezo, I'm gonna say, and yeah. it wasn't. And Joan Jett singing it, but apparently the story goes is that this was not written for Joan Jett to sing. It was written for Sherry Curie to sing. Yeah. But Sherry Curie was away having a procedure done. And when she came back, the song had already been recorded with Joan Jett singing it. Uh-huh. And it sounds like Sherry Curie, for you know, I mean, obvious reasons, was unhappy with that decision. Yeah. Anyway, um, the so this is our track opener. It's got a you know, great opening riff. The I love the sound of the drums, the the way that the drums are boosted. And they have that, like, there's that sort of, I, and I don't know how to, t- I don't know how to talk about it, but it's like that cool muted, like seventies sound. Yeah. I, I noticed that drum sound mm. as well. The the sound that it reminded me of was, um, you know, in uh, I Love Rock and Roll, which is also a Joan Jett song that uh-huh. the drummy intro, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. there is an eighties muted drum sound here. Right? Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Where it's just like the reverb is dialed down on it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the lyrics are, if I could say ridiculous, especially in the chorus. Um, but the, the verse, the bridge, the transitions out of the chorus have like, you could, it's a band of musicians, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're properly playing their instruments. Everybody shows up to play on this one. Uh, but the chorus feels really flat, I think was what I found. It, it felt like the chorus was just kind of tagged on every other part of the song is is great. Um, and I just, I felt like I wanted a more sort of like bombastic chorus. Like it felt like the song was like building up to this exploding chorus. And then the chorus just kind of goes flat and then it goes back into the cool kind of verse bits. I, I guess, I don't know. And so 
it just felt like it was building up to something that didn't fully deliver. Okay. I didn't share your your feelings on the chorus. I quite liked the chorus. I thought it was pretty catchy. And some harmonies in the vocals. And I think the harmony, the vocal harmonies throughout are better. And I think the vocals are just generally better recorded. I think that's the Beach Boys guy, right? Obviously, yeah. you've got to be good at vocals if, you, if you're the Beach Boys guy. And uh, this, I mean, it just jumps out at you. Like, the first album was so raw like and so... Like just untouched, and then straight you hear this, and you and the improved production, and it like this sounds like a studio album, you know. It's much cleaner. The drums sound different, as you as you said. So it, it just jumps out that oh yeah, we're this is a a studio production now. This is not just a bunch of people playing their instruments and pressing record. Like this is there's a bit of uh, pizzazz here. As a song, it's also quite different from anything on the first album. It's quite heavy. Uh, this sort of laconic, stompy riff in the verses. It, the, it reminded me, the, the modern equivalent I, I could find was L7. Hmm. Um, you know, that sort of offbeat, I don't know, like an on, like a song like Andre or something. So, yeah, I thought it was a bit L7. Can we call L7 modern anymore? I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. But it is a pretty heavy song, and there's a couple of other bits I really like. There's a sort of there's some hand claps in it. Like there's this crazy solo, this this sort of electronic sounding solo, which sounds great. The fade out, uh, really good song. I like this. And there's also a really good Donners. The Donners do a cover of this, which also sounds great too. Which we can also link to in the show notes. These are going to be some great show notes, folks. Make sure you check them out. So the Donners. Uh, cover the song too. Great. I really enjoyed the song and it just instant, you know, sort of delineated itself from the first album straight away. This is something different. Uh, speaking of Joan Jett, the next one is a Joan Jett song. Take it or leave it. Classic. Some classic Joan Jett lyrics. Break, you know, she's such a sort of heartbreaker. She's she sort of switched the sort of gender roles. She's the one uh, breaking hearts. She's sort of setting the record straight with with a potential uh, lover in this in this song. It's, the lyrics are great. There's some great Lita Ford shreddy stuff, uh, which we heard on the first album. Lita Ford's still a force to be reckoned with here, especially the solo. There's a, a solo on this one, which is superb. There's a, it's just a really good hard rock song. The second one, take it or leave it. Jet, Jet and Ford, such a Formidable combination, and um, yeah, this sounded like a Joan Jett song to me as much as a Runaway song. I don't know about, don't know what you thought. Yeah, I don't, I can't really add much. I mean, you're absolutely right. With uh, all my notes here, uh, yeah. I really, I like this song. It's a Joan Jett song, um, yeah. although I didn't think it. It doesn't feel quite as Joan Jetty as "You Drive Me Wild" or "Blackmail" from the last album, but it's still, it's still definitely, it's it's there that the Joan Jettness of this song. Uh, and then, yeah, Lita Ford's just has this great in the beginning and the solo where she she's allowed to kind of give him some room to shred. And again, the sound of the drums, yeah. like I just I love, and I don't know if we can credit that to like Mankey pulling that sound up, um, or just Sandy West stepping in and saying, "All right, I'm gonna I'm doing this." But that like the the drumming is great, so that's all Sandy West. But the fact that 
it is brought up in the mix the way it is. I don't know. I don't know who gets credit for that one. All right. And that takes us on to Midnight Music. So this song, I feel like, was at least a decade ahead of its time. Right? This song was 10 years ahead of what was coming in, in 1987. Uh, Lita Ford wasn't a writer on this song, but she was definitely a spearhead of what was what was happening 10 years later. Um, it's got just total 80s power ballad feel to it, but there's a definite Runaways chorus. Like this is, here's a moment, this is the song where I'm like, oh, okay, Runaways definitely have a sound that I've realized now track three of the second album, what I've sort of defined, what I, to me is a runaway sound. And it's the chorus of this song. The intro riff kind of threw me. It, it reminded me of sort of like uh, Steelheart or Trickster, kind of one of those sort of, you know, one of those bands that was going to sort of not really rise to the top, just kind of float <laughs> 10 years, 10 years from now. But this is Sherry Carey, uh, Fowley, and then somebody named Stephen Tetch are the writers on this. And this is where, Finally, track three, Sherry Curie gets a chance to uh, sing, take the lead vocals. Yeah. Yeah. All about the chorus, this one. I mean, it's. It, it, do, do you think it has a country and Western vibe in the in the sort of ballady nature of it? I mean, it, obviously, I, I see what you're saying about the 80s power ballad, but um, I don't know. I, I also got a little bit of a country. I can imagine this played in a, in a country and Western kind of bar as well without all the electric trickery but um i don't know it had a bit of a country and western feel to me but yeah i love the the sing-along chorus and i think it's joan jett sort of stepping in with the backing vocals there in the chorus that sort of lifts Mm. that chorus to me i guess it's a slightly cheesy song but i i really loved it and um I don't know. I, yeah, I just thought this one really stuck out to me, and I was found myself singing along to that catchy chorus, and, and it stuck with me after listening to it. Uh, Born to be Bad's the next one. Apparently, this is a very early song of theirs. In fact, I think um, Mickey Steele, who was their original, what was she, drummer, bass player, bass player. Okay. Sorry, she's the yeah. one that on. She's the one that went on to play for the Bangles, right? Who sort of kicked out because they like you'll never be a star, and then she went and played on some of the biggest songs in the eighties. Um, but yeah, she so she gets a songwriting credit here. Tough one to sing, actually. This one, this um, those verses, the vocalist is really sort of left out there, left hanging in the in the verses here. There's and the tricky verses to sing, so it's a good job to pull it off. And then there's this, it's, it's really quite bluesy. It's got its merits, this song. It's, it feels like a song off the first album more than this album. You know, you can tell it's an older song, hmm. but there's some nice bluesy bits, and especially like Lita, Lita Ford's um, role when she, when she steps up to the plate. So, yeah, good, good song. Yeah, I, uh, so that article that we, we linked to the last, to the last show notes, um, sort of suggested that Mickey Steele might have been let go because of uh, she wasn't really buying into Kim Fowley's potential creepy vibe. And, Smart woman. Right. But that I think I think that I find that interesting that they brought the song back when she wasn't even in the band anymore. 
And I wonder how much of what was recorded, how much of that was like what was what she had originally written. And the reason I ask this is because the song does feel um, a little disjointed. There are parts of the song that are really good, and then parts of the song that I sort of felt like felt like it was part of a different song. And it almost kind of feels like it was written by three different people at three different times. And so I wonder, like, you know, here was like maybe Mickey Steele's bit was like the skeleton. And then later Fowley and Sandy West come in and add different. I'm, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but the, the bass line is re- throughout the song, start to finish, kind of holds it all together. And I think is really cool. And then, as you had mentioned, Lita Ford has uh, a great guitar solo that she steps up for. Yeah, and that then takes us to Neon Angels on the Road to Ruin. This is either this is either an amazing title or a terrible title. I'm not sure which. Um, it's a long title. The flair and the drama is definitely there. Uh, so we've got Sherry Curie is taking the lead vocals on this one. This is now her second chance to kind of step up to the mic. Um, and now we have, I think, I think for the first time, Lita Ford as a songwriter. Yeah. And then with Kim Fowley and then Jackie Fox, who is also her first time as a songwriter, I believe. So this Lita Ford and Jackie Fox kind of taking control on this one. Um, and this has a definite what I knowing what I know about Lita Ford now, a definite rocky Lita Ford feel to it. And then Sherry Curie's her vocals on this one are awesome like she's she's killing it on this song like she's absolutely giving it everything and going for it again i wish i wish i had the language to talk about whatever's happening with the drums because i love that sound and if i was going to make an album i would totally 100 percent reproduce this whatever sound they did for the drums on this one i i would absolutely reproduce that for my fictitious album and then again lita ford i mean she wrote the song so might as well just have awesome guitar riff and a raging solo to, to get in there. Um, and I love the doubling of the bass on the guitar, right? So the cool riff she's doing on the guitar and Jackie Fox is doubling that on the bass and it sounds great together. Yeah, so the, I mean, there's two big riffs. So there's the opening riff, which is the real sort of almost like a stoner rock riff, you know, and then it shifts into that faster galloping riff for most of the song and then it finishes back on the... The big swingy, uh, the I, I really love that opening, the opening riff. It, it it really rocks. The middle bit felt very '80s metal to me, almost like the vocals. I thought were, I mean, it's kind of Rob Halfordy, mm. um, that sort of screamy but controlled scream, which added to the '80s metal, and then the sort of galloping. The, the riff throughout the middle bit, which was kind of Iron Maiden, I suppose. So yeah, very metal, uh, but with a with a stoner rock opening and clo- uh, I really liked it. This is good, Neon Angels, and yeah, it's obviously different. And the fact that Lita Ford wrote it, it, you know, it sticks out as oh, this is something something new for the band. Is it your favorite? It's oh, so I it's up there. It's yes, it's one of it's one of them. I'm gonna these next two. I like tracks five and six. Yeah, because the next one I think is my, probably just shades it. The next one is Joan Jett. So you've got the contrast with the Lita Ford song and then the next one is just back to this is a Joan Jett song. Mm-hmm. 
and it's um this is so it's much more straight ahead and we're a straight ahead sort of rock song whereas the neon angels is the sort of more metal um although like oh, so i love playing with fire is the next song and it, yeah i mean it gets along at a decent pace it's not a slow song it kind of feels really urgent like they're they're pushing it along you know and there's some great percussion that helps push it along there's a sort of i think there's a cowbell or something similar early on and a hand clap later on that sort of keeps keeps you urging this song through and um yeah like obviously a joan jet song but just keeps getting pushed along really sort of urgent love the chorus and this there's some swirling vocal harmony so again that nice production plays into the um plays into making this a really good listen beautiful production and yeah look Joan Jett superb this is I wasn't that big a Joan Jett fan before listening to the Runaways but the more I listen and and as we're getting now getting to the second album and the Joan Jett songs are getting better and better this has actually led me to start re-listening to some of those old Joan Jett songs that I once glossed over so she's great I know you were a big Joan Jett fan back in the day but um I mean, I knew who she was, but it never really stopped and, and took notice. But now I'm just seeing what a force she is. And, and this song's a great example. Joan Jett, superb, and this is a great song. My favourite. Yeah, I feel like I hadn't done Joan Jett a proper... Like, I had done her a bit of a disservice because I didn't properly ever really know the roots, right? And now this is sort of giving me that opportunity, which I'm glad we're doing. And you're right, this song is pure Joan Jett, right? She's She's the sole writer on it. And she's the she's singing it. But the other thing that's great about this song, and this also I, I think I said that at the last one would be one of my favorites uh, on the album, is that everybody gets room to kind of sort of flourish in this one. Like I feel like this is like this song is Jackie Fox's statement. This is the one where she comes out and she's like, "Well, you, you didn't think I was good enough to play on the first album? How you like this, right?" And she and she just like lays it down. And then, and then again, Lita Ford just comes out with her solo is is awesome. Like this is if this, so if we were to this is this is the Runaways song I want to see live. Mm. If there was a, a Runaways track that if I was going to go see the Runaways live, this is the song I want to see, uh, which takes us to California Paradise. And this here we go um, brings us back to our Mankey, doesn't it? That sounds like a, a, a Beach Boys title. This mm. song, um, again, I seem to be falling on the, all the Sherry Curie songs. Uh, mm. She's uh, on the vocals. This one was written by Fowley, Jet, Sandy West, and then Carrie Chrome, who showed up as a writer on the last album. And I guess she was sort of Joan Jett's ally in all of this. And I'm not sure if it was Carrie Chrome who's responsible for Joan Jett being in The Runaways or if Joan Jett had brought. But anyway, those two were sort of allies throughout all of this. As a songwriting team and supporters, again, there's a really cool kind of drum fill to open the song. Again, I feel like the verse is—it's like it's just got this awesome verse that builds to something, and then I feel like the chorus just doesn't fully deliver what the verse is building to. It's almost like I'm climbing a mountain, but instead of like getting to some cool snow-topped peak, it just kind of plateaus. The guitar solo is sort of buried in the mix on this one, which is weird because it's not on any of the other ones right the guitar solo comes out a little bit more on the other tracks and it, it, it's overpowered by the drums and bass which 
I guess I always support actually. So I don't know why I'm complaining about that. Uh, but it's a really good solo and it's kind of just sort of hiding back there. You kind of got to listen for it. Uh, yeah. I don't think I even noticed the solo, which, uh, to my eternal shame, I think this was an old, another old song in terms of when it was written, but I believe, I believe this was used as a set opener. Surprisingly, I, it doesn't, didn't strike me as a great set opener, but, um, they seem to see something in it. So, look, it's not a terrible song by any means, but I think just after the last two, it's a bit of a come down. And especially when you factor in the lyrics, which are pretty bad. And, and yeah, the chorus is flat. So, like, certainly this one, I mean, I didn't skip it, but it never really stood out as one of the best songs on the album. Hollywood is the next one. Uh, Joan Jett... She write it, yeah. So Fowley, Fox, and Jet for Hollywood. So we get the California Paradise and then Hollywood. Uh, this one yeah. lyrically, this is about Joan Jet's determination to become a rock star, which I guess turned out to be pretty prophetic. She um, huh. she ended up doing what she said she what she was dreaming of doing. Uh, it's not bad. I, I the highlight of this one is the sort of boppy little bass line that sits under the track, but. Um, you know, again, it doesn't stand out as one of the better songs on the album, but it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's Hollywood. What are we up to track eight yet? Kind of hovering right. around that territory. We're we're at track eight. Um, yeah. This is there's got to be a massive right, and I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head this massive list of songs about people moving to LA to find stardom, yeah. and this. This is up there, right? Where you could do a ranking of like the top 20 songs about this. You got like mm. Welcome to the Jungle and that sort of thing. Um, but Falling the out. thing about this one that I'm going to give it to is that I think this one was about that before it became cliche. Right. Right. So I think this is this is one of the, the early uh, forefathers of Welcome to the Jungle. It's kind of samey. It's got a cool bass riff. Uh, Joan Jett gives us a, a cool scream at the end that to... Not to go too long on Guns N' Roses, but kind of of Axl Rose proportions. Um, yeah, no, it's an all right song. It's fast. I mean, it kind of gets in and out. Doesn't hang around too long. Mm. Which takes us into Heartbeat, which is actually shorter. I think that, in fact, that might be the uh, just almost the shortest song on the album is Heartbeat. Uh, again, Sherry Curie on vocals. Uh, this one's got a massive songwriter list. It's like a Beyonce track. Everybody they've ever met is writing on this one. Uh, Sherry Curie, Lita Ford, Kim Fowley, Jackie Fox, and Earl Mankey steps in, does some writing. This song kind of reminds me of Bad Company's Shooting Star in the verse. You remember that song? Which would have been, I think, only a year would have been out maybe a year before it. Uh, the guitar solo is awesome. Uh, I love how she just kind of lets it hang in the end. There's no rush to finish it. It just kind of like hangs out. And this is, again, I don't mean to be getting repetitive, but this is another one of where I really, really like the verse that builds to something, but the chorus just doesn't. I don't know. Some of these songs, I feel like maybe there's just too many songwriters. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe not mm. so many people need to be involved in this. And just like let, let one person see this thing, or two people see this thing from start to finish. Um, I, I I blame Fowley for no other reason other than I read awful things about him in an article. And so he's the common link to all of these songs that fall flat in the chorus. So I'm blaming him. Yeah. This is kind of the big, I mean, it, there was an earlier ballad, uh, the 
which one was it? The Midnight Music. So th this is the, but I think this is a, a more stereotypical ballad. This is the big album, big ballad on the album. I like this song. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot more to add above what you said other than I like it. I think it probably maybe could have closed the album. Uh, the next song is the album closer. And uh, it has some problems. So we might, should we get into Johnny Guitar? Because after such a beautifully produced album, this one sounds like it's recorded at the bottom of a well and, and with the microphones up the top. It's a really simple blues riff, so it's just so simple that it's kind of almost insulting to the listener. <laughs> uh, it's pretty dull as, as a tra as a last track. The the only redeeming feature I think is the sort of Lita when Lita Ford just sort of steps in with the the Widdly Diddleys uh, late and kind of saves it with with just a virtuoso um, guitar performance. But other than that. Johnny Guitar is it sounds like it's recorded in a different studio or with just they forgot to turn the mics on. I don't know what's going on with Johnny Guitar, but um, maybe if it had been recorded well, it could have worked with a bit of with a bit of polishing. But um, yeah, I don't know about Johnny Guitar. What are your thoughts on Johnny Guitar? I want to defend it. I want to defend it for what it is. Go on then. Um, I want to defend it for the fact that it is sort of, I don't know, it's they, I feel like the whole band is sort of making a statement here, right? Where they're just, they're, where they're just coming out saying, look, we're, we're musicians, damn it. We're not just eye candy that you're going to trot out on stage. We're, we're legitimately good at what we do. And I feel like this is Lita Ford just picking up the guitar and just, just like this is giving her a venue or, you know, some sort of foundation to lay down to just let her go. Just to have at it, Lita Ford. Show us what you can do. And and I think like this would have been great kind of as a, I don't know if they did in the 70s if they had hidden tracks, right? But, you know, like a great hidden track where you think the album's over and then you get just kind of this slowly, slow blues riff that doesn't totally meet the theme of the rest of the album. But you're hearing Lita Ford just shred, and you're like, "All right, yeah, have at it, do do that thing, or whatever, right?" And so I I do I like it for that, but yeah, maybe it would have been better saved for a Lita Ford solo album, I guess. It doesn't. I could see it being great live, like if you were there live yeah. and watching her just go nuts on the guitar, that would be impressive. I could mm -hmm. even see it being good if they just re-recorded it and and done it, given the same treatment as the other song it just sounded it just the sound of it got in the way of me fully endorsing it i get that i mean there are bands that do that right there are bands that just have like like they just have here's the song we play live and we've never actually recorded it um yeah. and this this yeah this totally could have been one of those mm. anyway that's it oh, yeah. that's the last track that's it we whip through it it's a short album i suppose yeah, it is a short album. Huh. Thoughts overall? I I think... Better or yeah, worse than the first one? I like the first one better. I was definitely... I had more fun with the first one. I really... I appreciate... Actually, what's funny, though, is that I really appreciate the musicianship on this one, and I appreciate the sound, and, and uh, but just... Uh, I don't know. Just overall, I think I was... I had more fun with the first one. Yeah. No, I like this one better. This was... 
a step up in many ways for me. And I thought like the real highlights on this, um, Neon Angels, I Love Playing With Fire. Those two songs in themselves were just so good. And plenty of others like Midnight Music, the catchy chorus in that stuck with me. Um, and yeah, just the sort of emergence of, of, of Joan Jett that, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's becoming clear that she, I mean, Lita Ford had a huge career as well, right? But Joan Jett to me is like the star here. And, it, you know, it wasn't clear on the first album perhaps, but well, I know you gave her the three votes, but listening to this one, it's, yeah, this is Joan, Joan Jett is something else. and uh, But, yeah, very ably supported by the others as well. And, yeah, you mentioned the step up in the bass playing too from Jackie Fox, so that, that was nice too. Great sound. I love the improved or the um, the more polished production. And um, the highlights on this were, were a little higher than what was admittedly a fun album, but I, I, I just thought the highs on this were a bit, little bit higher than the first one. Maybe the lows were a little bit lower. I don't know, but the highs were the high highs got me. So we we got a team Jackie and a team Joan. Yeah, right. coming out of this one. Um, mm. So you, what you were just saying was a great segue into the band Brownlow. I don't know if you want to. Are you putting Joan? Well, I don't want to. Never mind. I don't want to step on your your top. No, votes. let's do it. I'll go first, and Joan G gets three three votes. She's All the right. best performer on the album. And I won't hear otherwise from you or anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> She's a leader for the second. She's uh, nice to hear her songwriting. I love that track that she wrote. Uh, so leader for number two. Uh, the one vote performances could could probably go to any of them. Although Sherry Curry just doesn't get enough to do to warrant the vote here. I think I gave her three on the last last album. I might have been a bit overzealous there. I do love her voice. Uh, so I'm going to give the one to who? I don't know. I'll give it to the drummer, San- Sandy West. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there it is. Um, all right, well. I no, gave my one. It's Joan Jett. <laughs> I gave my one vote to Joe Jett, actually. No, you didn't. Uh, I did, I did, because... I do. I, I love Joe Jett. I love Joe Jett, but I liked well, maybe Joe you Jett's don't. songs. Maybe, maybe you say you do, but you don't no, actually. You can't call this into question. Uh, <laughs> but I loved the Joe Jett songs on the first album better than this one. I like. I love playing with fire. I love. I love playing with fire. That's a great track. Anyway, so she gets she gets my one vote. Uh, my two votes are going to Jackie Fox because she's awesome on this album. She is awesome on this album. Um, and then my three votes are going to Lita Ford because she's awesomer on this right. album. Okay. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so there it is. There's my uh, one, two, three. So I was team what? Which team was I? I was team Joan. You, you were team Joan. You were In team more Joan. ways than one. I'm, I'm team Joan all the way on this album. Yeah, yeah. My allegiances are, they are, they are cracking in this one a little bit. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I don't know. I'm enjoying this. Uh, some good party. Less of a party. The first one made me more party. This was more um, not so much dancey party stuff, but oh, there's still a good, there's still some party tracks, I guess. I love playing yeah. with fire. That's good. That is a great track. Mm. So the next one yeah. is going to be Waiting for the Night. Yeah. 
And again, man, hot on the heels. We're yeah. looking at a couple months. Same day, wasn't it? <laughs> a couple months. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard it yet because that would be breaking the rules. Yes. But um, I think we're going to have a massive shakeup in the lineup. Okay. Who goes? Nah. Come on. Spoiler alert. Who's, who's going to go? Sherry Carey. Ah. So, okay. yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to lose Sherry Carey. And we're so gonna we're going to all Joan on vocals for the next one. Yep. All Joan. And, uh, and I think we lose Jackie Fox. Ah. I wonder, you know, actually, I wonder if Lita Ford steps up. No, I don't think she does. Never mind. Hmm. I wonder if they keep the same, if they, if Mankey comes back. Um, probably not, huh? Yeah, I don't know. If they maintain. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Hold up. What? Did Earl Mankey play with Sparks? Mankey. Because I think who's there's a connection. There's a band called Sparks, and they're playing in Osaka next week, and they have some connection no. to the Runaways. Is it the yeah, same Sparks? He played with someone. Google him. Come on. We can wait. I'm looking. Uh, band Sparks. It's coming to Osaka. They are... They've been around since 79. No, 66. Earl Mankey was a former member. He's not oh, in okay. it anymore. Okay. All right. So Mankey was in the band, but he's not coming. You could You could have gone and had a chat. Yeah. No, he's not coming. It's down to, down to two guys now. Two guys. Yeah. I don't know anything about the band Sparks, but something about, I saw that they were coming next week and I was like, that name is familiar to me. And I must have in my Mankey research. I don't know why it just dawned on me right now. I don't know why I just okay. had this revelation right now, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And he had Concrete Blonde was something to do with them as well. Okay. That's Whatever. What did they sing? They sang that song, Joey. Ah, yeah. And they did a really cool version of Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen that was on the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack. Okay. Well, we better link to those in the show notes. We totally should. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. The His brother, James Mankey, was the guitarist for Concrete Blonde. Yeah. And I think he had some production credits or something like yep. that as well. He was a producer. Yes, yes, yes. See, that's cool. That's why our listeners tune in for this sort of stuff. <laughs> the knowledge. We're bringing the knowledge. <laughs> Throwing down the knowledge. You don't get that from Chat GPT. It looks like the, Sparks is the only band he ever played for, though. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of production work. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of studio. A lot of studio. Yeah. Um. Speaking of bands that are touring, Boris are coming to Lisbon, listeners. Mm. So that's exciting in June. And it's a pretty small little club, so I'll be going to see Boris. I wish their catalog discography wasn't so massive. Yeah, you brought them up. You brought them to the table at one of our Point Zero episodes, and they were quickly dismissed because of their extensive catalog. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to them, and they're one of those bands that would have been interesting to talk about, just because every album is so different than yeah, the they keep it. changing. Yeah, the big one's Boris. We should we could just have a Boris special. That pink one. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. What's it called? 
The, the name's Boris. What's the album right. called? I don't remember. I remember the cover. Yeah, it's pink. Like I can I can see the cover. Let me look. This rocks. Is it rocks? No. Is it rocks? No, it's Aerosmith. <laughs> this dead time when I'm just uh, okay. googling. <laughs> Does that get cut in the edit? Usually. Okay, but maybe not today. <laughs> Uh, come on, come on, Boris. Um, the pink Jesus. one. They have so two thousand and four odd. They have so many albums. Uh, heavy rocks. Heavy rocks. Heavy rocks. I wasn't completely wrong. Nope. And you know, that's about as good as it gets these days. <laughs> <laughs> Just you mean I was kind of almost right? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I was wrong-ish. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we, I don't think we've got too much more to add. We can wrap things up, can't we? Yeah. Uh, this has been Unshuffled. And we've got a heap of show notes to post. And you can check all those out at unshuffledpod.com. All the previous episodes, way back to... God knows when, way back to when we actually uh, used to sit around a table face-to-face way back in Indonesia in the early days. I didn't have gray in my beard. Uh, I had a lot right less. Now. I had a uh, lot less. I'm looking at myself right now. Mm. I'm not aging well. Look at me. <laughs> it's all right. We're not, we're not doing YouTube anytime soon. <laughs> um, what else we got? We got Twitter, at UnshuffledPod where we retweet a lot of album-related stuff there. Some good stuff there worth a follow. And we've got an email address, unshufflepod at gmail.com. If you've got any feedback or suggestions, we're happy to hear it. Have we ever gotten an email? Uh, we get a lot of spam from Martin Popoff. A lot of spam. I contact, I asked him a question once. He put him on a mailing. Put us on a mailing list. And, uh, yeah, we I hear about everything Martin Popoff's doing. So we need like we need a listener email to to balance just anything. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah. It, could, it, it will get it read out. Your, I guarantee it. It could be your shopping list. Yeah, anything that'll just, do. Just to balance out Martin Popoff. Yeah. Oh, I look. I like Martin Popoff. Well, chase him up. Let's put a link to Martin Popoff in the show notes. He'll, Let's do it. Get him in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, who else we got to thank? Uh, we got to thank. Um, Small Stone, they're um, a great record label and they've let us, out of the goodness and kindness of their hearts, they've let us use a track called Vanguard in the opening and closing part of the show. That uh, that great riff at the start is from their album Explorer. The band is Seven Planets, so check them out too while you're checking out all the other things we tell you to check out. Uh, hopefully we've done our, we've played some small part in bringing back the album. Please join us on this crusade, listeners. It's, it's a sad to see albums that just don't get the, the time they, they used to get. So, you know, you've got to make an effort. You've got to actually sit down and listen. And it's not always easy to do that in this modern world, this distracting world but um you know hopefully this podcast is some small part in encouraging you to do it and if nothing else it's forcing us to do it uh, every few weeks so um yeah stick with us we'll, we'll get through the runaways we've got a 
couple more albums from them, and then uh, we've got some Doom, which is going to allow me to say Doom a lot. Okay. Um, with Paul Bearer in uh, a couple of albums' time. So stick with us. It's always been fun. This has been no exception. Scott, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. I've enjoyed it.